tonight we're going to talk about what we can enjoy as Christians. Because I know there's a lot of, like in Sunday school and teaching and preaching and everything, there's a lot of what we talk about we shouldn't do. What we, what we just should not do. And we know, because we're led by the Spirit of God, the things that we should and shouldn't do. Who we should really spend the bulk of our time with. And uh, who we shouldn't spend the bulk of our time with. But I was studying in First Timothy there in 6, 6 through 17 through 19, whenever we get down to it. That's, that's where I kind of went. Because it's the actual biblical proof that God created everything for us to enjoy. And you don't always hear that. Because if you have stuff that's nice, well, you know, you, some people don't even think that you're right. You know, like a lot of preachers, like John MacArthur, for instance. I believe that the man's tried and true. But he's a multimillionaire. But that's not for me to say. Same as with a rich person. That's what, when we get down to it, we'll talk about that. But everything's not always as it seems. And anything, anything can be made as into something that's bad, right, if we make it an idol. So, Father, we thank you again for another time to be in, in your word, Lord. I thank you for those who are gathered in here. Father, you see each and every one of us, Lord. The, you see the prayers that we have, God, the prayer requests that we, that we say amongst ourselves, and God, the ones that we keep to ourselves. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch us, Lord that you would give us those things that we truly need, Father, especially in, in terms of relief, Father. May it be physical, mental, spiritual, God. We, we have battles that we need help with, and we know that you're still a healer. We know that you're still a redeemer, and we know that you can still help us no matter what it is. Nothing's too impossible for you. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So to begin with, we talk about... Like the other night, talk. If we can say what we shouldn't do, then we know what we can do. Same thing. You you just you look at compare and contrast things. So we look at the first two scriptures, Genesis three and six, and John two fifteen through seventeen, and I highlighted them so that we could see. Let's look at Genesis first. This is the very beginning. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat it. And we know that the story well. We don't have to go over that. Then we look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We're starting at the very beginning of creation, and now we're here at the very last books before we get into Jude and Revelation. I mean, we're getting into apocryphal books like stuff that's talking about the end times. This is one of the last ones. and we, 1 John is all about love. Every The whole book, the theme of the book is love. If you don't have love, you are not of God. So let's, let's read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Now simply put, the, the world as it's defined, worldly affairs, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, and pleasures which stir desire. That's everything. So he's saying that every single thing that there is can be bad. It can be wicked. But it says to set the heart on earthly advantages and joys and not on God. What's the first thing? We're supposed to love the Lord God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. So no matter what we do, as long as we do it right, in the right way, then we can enjoy it. Love, when he says do not love the world, to take pleasure in the thing 
to prize it above other things, to be unwilling to abandon it or do without it. That's a lot of the sin in our life. I'm just being honest with you. These are, these are issues that go back to the garden. Sin has not changed. The, the methodology of sin has not changed. And the reasons that we sin, why do we sin? Because, first of all, the tree was good for food. That's the flesh. It was good to, for my flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Third, to be desired to make one wise, the boastful pride of life. I, I, I want to know more than the next person. I want to be better than the next person. I love that. It's a, it's a meme that I see a lot of times. And it, it starts off, it says, it's, it's the Lord saying to someone, faithful, my, and it starts out as apostle, minister, song, song leader, teacher. And the last thing, all those are X'd out. What's the last one at the bottom? My what? My servant. We're to serve. That, and that's really our point on this earth is to serve one another and ultimately to serve the Lord because everybody doesn't know what's the chief end of man. That we glorify God. Glorify God and praise Him for all of eternity. The whole point of my life truly is to glorify God. John 15 and 8 tells us that. The point of my life is to glorify God. How do I glorify God? John 15 and 8 says this. The way we glorify God is that we bear much fruit. And that makes us a disciple. How do we bear fruit? We're not bearing fruit in this room. I'm, not, I'm just being honest. The things that we say back and forth to one another, that we kick around and we talk about, we bear fruit outside of this when we're here. We bear our fruit in the world, in front of the world, amongst the world, but we're not of the world. So the Father's to be glorified. The chief end of man is to glorify God. That's what we're supposed to do. And the only way that we can do that is to bear much fruit. Part of that is when we look at this other part here, when we, when we define the, the world, right? Because we know it says not to love the world nor the things of the world. Well, everything's of the world. Everything. But who created every single thing? We go to Colossians, right? Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It was created through him, for him, and by him. And without Christ Jesus, nothing was created. So every single thing that's been created can be used for good. Who makes things evil? You and I. There was never a curse word in this world until someone made it a bad word. Think about this. I know especially for the older you are, the more you see it. Think of words that you used to say whenever you were younger that now you can't say them because there's a negative connotation to them. The word gay in the 50s meant happy. It doesn't now. There are We could fill up a book of words that man used to say and they weren't evil, but now they are because who made them evil? Men did. We make things evil. But it goes back to the same thing up here. It, it's our fault. I'm not saying ours in this room, but it's the fault of man. God made everything perfect. He made everything pure. So all of these things, the world, the earthly goods, the endowments, the riches, the advantages, and the pleasures, those were all made for us to enjoy. And a lot of people don't believe that, though. I know that the life, I'm pretty sure that Paul, I, we know Paul's life wasn't hunky-dory, as we would say. Paul didn't go about having the best life there was. He didn't go into a town and eat popsicles and candy and go to the movies and have a grand old time. But, no, but we do know that he was very, very well educated. We know that he enjoyed things of his day. He read. He read everything he could get his hands on. The word, the word proves that to us because he even says that is he knew how to talk to them. He said when I, whenever he went into a place, I didn't come to you with the words, with high words. I didn't come here to 
to prove to you that I was better than you. He went as he was everywhere he went. He knew how to talk to Greeks. He knew how to talk to Romans because he had studied their cultures. He knew their cultures. But when he went, he just went with one thing, and that was love. How do we know that it was love that he used? Because of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because he wrote it, and he said, It doesn't matter how eloquent I am in my speech, how great I do anything, how learned I am. It doesn't matter what seminary I went to. It doesn't matter how long I've been doing this or how many people have supposedly been saved under me. If I don't do this thing in love, then it is meaningless. And it's the same love of the love of the world. So what is it to love the things of the world? So let's look at Matthew 10 and 37. I'll read that one first. Okay. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life will find it. Now we know, because we studied this in Sunday school if you were in there, Jesus is not saying that you should hate your family. Jesus is saying that if you don't love me more than you love everyone else, then you don't truly love me. That's a really hard thing to say. I, th I think it is. And for a person who is new to the faith and really doesn't understand, that's a really hard thing to say. So you're telling me that if I love my grandson or I love my wife more than I love you, God, then I don't truly love you? That's exactly what he said. But he goes one step further because that's not all he said. Because just like he told them in that time, the Pharisees, you, you speak with your mouth, but your heart, your heart is deceitfully wicked. I can see the truth. You're giving me the words. But I'm seeing that you're, you want to kill me. You're seeking to kill me every opportunity that you get. So what does he say in 38? And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And what does it say in Luke? Same thing. How often are we to take up that cross? Daily. What does that look like? That means you're a dead man. That means that when I wake up in the morning, I have got to die to myself. That is the hardest thing. I promise you that's the hardest thing you will do every day. Because we are full of affections and emotions and desires. That's just the truth. We have desires. And they're not bad. Not all things are bad. That's like to covet. Are we supposed to covet the Word of God? says, but should I covet the things of God? Most certainly. Covet's not always. That's what I'm saying. We have to learn that just because a word is used negatively in one place doesn't mean it's negative everywhere you look at it. The world, as it is, it means the system. It's really the system of the Antichrist. That's the world that we're looking at here. Everything that's opposed to Jesus Christ and his gospel and his truth. We don't love those things. I don't think any of us love those things. Right? Football in itself. Is football sinful? No. It's not. But can you make it an idol? Yes. Any sport. Sports in general. And that's really the sad thing. I read something the other day and it was so true. Um, it was, it's from James Orwell, 1984. He wrote it in the book. And it said, if we can keep them entertained with their football and sports, gambling and drinking, we'll have them. Uh, Y'all, we're living that out. That was in, that, he wrote that book back then. And here we are now in the 50s. He wrote that book. And here we are now. We now have own, online gambling in the state of Louisiana because they voted it in. I can get on my cell phone and gamble all I want to and bet on any game that's going on. That should be illegal. But it's not. A lot of the things that we think were, were false and were fake that have happened in the past, y'all were watching them be fulfilled day after day after day. 
And that's the system of the world. But can I sit down? I watched the LSU football game Saturday night, some of it. I really don't care for football, but I like the, techni the technical part of it. You know, I like watching. I like understanding, you know, for a, on the offense, it's one thing. If you move on defense, it's one. One is offsides, is one is what? False start, right? But I like that part of it. I like the coaching part of it and understanding it, but it's not my idol. I'm not going to miss church for it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to not do what I'm supposed to because it means so much or, or bet my money I should have bought food for my family. But you realize people are doing that every day. And now this gambling that we have now, y'all, it makes it that much easier for people to lose everything they have. It's really sad. <clears throat> so let's switch and look at James 4 and 4 because we're talking about the world. This is one of those that's just... The only way to say it is it's damning because that's what it is. It's one of those scriptures that just shoots it straight. I'm going to start in verse 1, though, 4-1 through 4-4-1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? What is it that causes all the problems in our marriages, in our friendships, in our lives, at work? Oh, is, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? Okay. Um, something simple. I'll give you an, uh, just an idea. Whenever we went home Sunday night, there was only there was one and a half Diet Dr. Peppers. But that's 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 all we had left. But I had just stood there and said a whole bunch of stuff. If you can remember all the things I said, so I gave them to my wife. She offered them back to me, but ultimately I'll drink tea and she won't. So I made a pitcher of tea. We could have fought over those cokes. I'm just being honest. I mean, because that's a big deal in our house because that we don't drink anything else, right? But you ever do that for your kids? Let me ask any, any of you, if your child walked in, or anybody, your parent, anybody you love, would you tell them that if the last scoop of food was there that you didn't eat any of that food, you would not do it. You would let them eat it, right? You wouldn't fight over it. But that's where the problems come from, people fighting and quarreling over things that really, ultimately, they have no meaning in life. Because I promise you, I'm learning this the older I get, when you're dead and that other person is gone, you'll wonder why you ever fought about the things you fought about. You'll wonder why you ever had the quarrels you have. Well, it's because we have feelings and emotions. And we haven't put those under the blood, if you want to say. We haven't died to ourselves. He says, is not the source of your pleasures that, that wage war in your members? Yes, it is. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Now, that murder is not murder, murder, but what do we, what are we learning in the Beatitudes? What are we learning? What have we learned? We're going into it now. What is it? If I hate you, I have murdered you, Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount. To hate, to be angry and hate another is to murder them. So when I'm angry and I burn, that's why he said, don't let that, your anger stay. When the, by the time the sun goes down, make it right. Because that's murder now, which is really a scary thought. Because no murderer will inherit the kingdom of God. We can go and look at that in, in another place. He says, you are envious and cannot obtain. You want what other people have. You're so envious of them that you, you're blinded by it. Guys, you don't even realize it. Like, you don't realize that you're mad because they have the perfect family. Or they have the perfect boat you want or the perfect whatever they have. And you can't see it, but it's there. And you don't understand why. And when someone points it out to you, well, then we go right back up here. Now you're mad because you're lusting and you don't realize it. And when you get caught out, now you just blow up. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. There's another part. And then when you do ask, when you do actually ask, how do you ask? 
because this is something that we've learned over the past year, several years. I pray, when I pray, just like whenever Daddy was sick, I had learned up to that point, I pray that my dad would be healed because that's what we pray for, right? But what I ultimately prayed for was this, let my will align with your will so that whatever it is, I can make it. Why did Jesus pray so many times? When he's in the garden, he's praying over and over and over. Why? He's aligning his will with the will of the Father. He says, look, if you can, but thy will be done. We have to be okay, and not just with our mouth again. We're not Pharisees. It's not just, I'm just saying it. Well, yeah, Lord, I'll be fine with whatever it is, because here's the truth. Soon you will find out if not, because most of the time things don't go your way. That's just how life is. Reality. Do you actually pray and you ask God, please, Lord, align my will with your will? Because I, if, if not, then I'm going to be out of your will. And how many of us have been out of God's will? I spent 33 years doing it. And even when I was a baby and when I didn't have any knowledge of who I was, I wasn't right then. I didn't have a very good life for a long, long time. And I made it worse and worse and worse and worse. It was my fault. And even to this day, the first time I do something, it's a mistake. The second time, it's a choice. We continue to make choices, and those choices are bad choices. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Why? So that you may spend it on your pleasures. We ask for things. I still pray that Caitlin one day will walk. But I'm going to be honest with you. God is more glorified with Caitlin in a wheelchair than he ever would have been with her just being like anybody else. Because she's touched too many people's lives. I don't think that's fair. But God doesn't care what I think. That's why I have to pray that my will aligns with God's will. God, you do what you do. And everybody that she's touched with her little life, that, that's between you and her. I don't have a say in that. All I've, all I've been done is what charged to take care of her and to love her. That's my job. But it goes back to that. Am I truly, when I pray, am I praying just to get for me, me, me? No, that's not what he's saying. That's wrong. Ultimately, that's for you adulteresses. Do you not see that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So therefore, whoever whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You don't want to find yourself there. And I've found myself there many, many a time. I, and that whose fault again? My fault. I didn't know. I didn't know one way or the other. I didn't know that there was a savior that could truly. I knew of a savior, but I certainly didn't know him. Now I know. Now I know when I go before God and I ask, Hey, there's some things I don't even ask for, because I know better. I'm not going to ask the Lord for a brand new seventy thousand dollar truck, because number one, I don't need it. You know, there's some things that we want that will never bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I don't want that in my life. I want the things of the world that I can use to glorify God. Knowledge is a good thing as long as it's what? As it's used properly. Just trying to get knowledge just so you can know more than someone or I was talking with a guy one time at a benefit. Of all things, we were at a benefit for a little boy and we were sitting around talking And the guy happened to be of another denomination. And as we were talking, he asked me a question. And I told him the view of what I felt the Bible said. And we debated it for a minute. And he said, man, I never saw it like that. That's awesome. He said, you wait till Sunday morning. I'm going to put it to brother so-and-so because I have biblical proof now. And I just sat back because I was saved then. And I went, 
That's not what you're, it's not supposed to be used as a weapon. The word of God is not a weapon. You shouldn't weaponize it. You can tell someone the truth, but he was going to get him. Because the other words he was saying to go along with it led me to believe that he really probably doesn't know who the Lord is. <laughs> because he wasn't talking about his brother in Christ the way that a man should. Let's just be honest. He was, he was seeking out information to harm another person. We shouldn't do that. That's really, really ugly. And the, the verse that we get to that helps us understand this is 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. I don't know why this thing printed blue in some places and some it didn't. Guys, I'm being honest. That's just It just did. I apologize. But it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Right? It didn't say that they couldn't inherit the kingdom. It didn't say that they were wrong for having money. It just said, make sure that you talk to them and tell them, hey, it's not in your riches. Your money's not going to get you there. It says, <clears throat> then he goes on to say, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's the thing. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. All, whatsoever, everything received. Everything. But... But when we look into the Word of God, what are the things that we see that God gave us? He gave us breath. He gave us life. Not life as we had before, but life, 22-22. True life, eternal life. These are the things that he's talking about. These other things that we have, he gave us things to enjoy. If you have a boat and you go fishing, that's not a bad thing. If you go on vacation with your family, that's not a bad thing. Eating a piece of boudin is not a bad thing. In and of itself, nothing is truly bad unless the Bible specifically says this is evil. Right? Does anybody... Do we see... You understand where I'm coming from with that concept. But we can turn anything into an idol. We can make anything bad just as man has done. And then you have people who will, who will debate with you, but it says instruct them to do good, to be rich in what? In good works to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a, of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what is truly life truly is. Where are we supposed to lay up our treasure? In heaven. And it goes back to that, those good works, rich in good works, that's the fruit we bear. We bear fruit, that is our works. That's what's stored up in heaven for us someday. Which, and here's the awesome part about that is, although we're doing that, it doesn't change anything. Once we get there, because as the Bible says, we're going to cast all of that at his feet. It's just, I, I say this, and I, I say this honestly, I would not want to show up there without something. If you truly know who Jesus Christ is, and he's truly your Savior, then I would assume that you love him enough for what he did to you to want to have something to give him these rewards. Because the Word of God says we'll cast them at His feet. I would like to have something when I show up. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. But this Word tells me that if I live my life according to His Word, and I do those things that He's asked me to do, He's already ordained for me to walk and for good works to come from that. And as long as I do that, I'll always be fruitful. And I think that's one of the things that people don't understand is, so when I'm standing around with a bunch of people who are bad people, can I bear fruit? Yes. Sometimes bearing fruit is turning around and walking away. Levi had said it the other day, and it's true. There's some people that I see them coming, and I just turn around and walk away. Because we've already had conversations. Every time you see that person, it's a conflict. 
You understand what I'm saying? They don't, they don't want to know about They just want to try and make you mad. They get mad. They say things they shouldn't say that are ugly. The Lord tells us in the Word, we are to mark some people and we stay away from them because it doesn't do us any good or them any good. I, I know that it sounds counterproductive, you know, because it's, but iron sharpeneth iron. Do we believe that? Do you believe that the people you hang around with have a lot to do with the things you say and do? And the more that you're around people that aren't who you're supposed to be around, the easier it is to what? To act just like them. Or the scary part is just like, and I think about this now. It goes back to this. I used to cuss in front of Caitlin, but never in front of Ethan. How did that make any sense? Someone that does that make, it makes no sense. I was living two lives until the first time that I did in front of him. And I can still remember his face. He was like, oh my gosh, my dad said a, because he had never for all of his life seen that. But in front of Caitlin, I did. I was living two lives. I wasn't who I was. Most Christians live two lives. They've got a life here. They've got a life when they're around fellow believers. And when they're away, they have a totally different life. And that's the scary part. Well, it helps me fit in. You're not supposed to fit in. The world, we don't belong to the world. Because we go back to John chapter 14 and John chapter 17. And what does he say? You're not of the world. And they're going to hate you because you're not of the world. No. And at the same time, he's not saying Jesus doesn't mean at all. You should go out there and rub every single person wrong so that there's people that hate you. Because if nobody hates you, then you're not doing it. That's not necessarily what he's saying either. But if you're really truly living out your life in Christ in front of people, then that's not verbally. That's living it out like you're supposed to. Other people see it, and I promise you it rubs them terribly wrong. I work in a very great place, but there's still people that are there that are not right. And I've had people say some very ugly things to me just because I did my job. Very ugly things. And, and it didn't even phase them. Like to them, that's just, and I, I never will understand that. But my desire is to live out in front of them because as sad as it is for those people, I'm enjoying my life. And I can do it without having to do things that I shouldn't have to do. Right? I'm sorry that you feel that you have to say and do the things you do. I'm not going to be a part of that. But truly, honestly, when you're not here or you're not in front of a fellow Christian, are you really who you are? So, all. When it says all again, all the things. Because I love that. When I read it, I had to stop because we've been taught so much that we're not really, it's not really about enjoying life. But it is about enjoying life. And it says it right there. In 1 Timothy 6, it says again, but, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. He gives us things in our life. But here's the thing, and we've heard this a lot and it's true. If he gives you money, he expects you to do right with it. It's the same way with here. I don't know why, but you're going to see with the next budget. I can't help what people's hearts and where they are. But there's some people who have just quit tithing. And I can't for the life of me understand how you think that's okay. I don't. Because when you look at if you were, if it was 9000 and then it gets down to 5000 but people have just quit tithing, I don't know what to do about that. Like that's an issue between a person and the Lord. I understand everybody has to pay their bills, same as I do. But the first thing that I do is pay my tithe. Because I know that without it, this place, this place doesn't exist without money. I know that sounds crazy, and it shouldn't be that way, but thank God we, we own everything. Yeah, that's one, one thing we have over other places, 
we're at an advantage because we don't owe anything. But it still takes money for this to to move forward. Money for us to. Yeah, we're still in the world. So, but we use that money in the right way, and the God always, there's always enough. That's the amazing part. Or you have an instance like with this, where the Lord, it's $1,800, and you got a brand new four-ton outside unit. That's the Lord. He, he, he does things in His way. We just have to be watchful, prayerful, and capitalize on them whenever there's an opportunity. So be good stewards. If we don't give our 10%, like the Bible says to, I found that a lot. Past the plate. The Bible doesn't even harp on does not. It has its verses and it has its commandments and things, but, but it, it's it's out of the heart. Yeah. The abundance of the heart. He wants a cheerful giver. Because mm-hmm. you can, we can have the coffers full in this church, but if everybody is given out of constraint, out of constraint, it's not benefiting them Mm-mm. any at all. Nope. Our budget looks good, but you have a bunch of <laughs> a, a bunch of uh, uh, yeah. Low down people. Yeah. There ain't no uh, yeah. Down in the mully grub. Yeah. It's the thing that the Bible says is, and it's not just money. It's with your life. If you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. Sparingly. Yeah. Right. And that's not just that's not just money. That's with every it. part. Yeah. If you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. God is loving and awesome, and He says, the more you give, I'm gonna. I'm going to increase it. Yeah. Right? I'm going to bless you. Not because you're doing it and not because it's $100 versus $10 or, or whatever, uh, but it's, it's it's the sowing and reaping. Yeah. The law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap. Yeah. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, Whatsoever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And that, that backs up this thing with enjoying life. Guys, we can enjoy every part of life, right? But whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. And you say, well, that sounds foolish. You mean whenever I go grocery shopping, when I do everything, especially when you do that. Especially whenever you do, it's the things that we do that we would consider menial, like they don't matter, or we do them every day. That's the places where we usually trip up because we're not paying attention. It's like the guy said well, we're, that we're going to move with, to his wife. Well, we're going to move. Well, why are we going to move? Because they said that most accidents happen within 10 miles of home. So we're going to move somewhere else. <laughs> well, you're st- you, it's the same, but we have the same mindset. Well, I, I go and do this every day. That's whenever you're going to get in a bind. The big things it seems we prepare for, but the Lord said to die daily and prepare every day. And then those things that come into your life, make sure that those are really truly things that God wants you to have. And this is an instance because this has been argued, and it's the only reason I added Genesis 3, 16 through 19. In light of everything that we've been given, we've been given so that we can enjoy it, right? Let's read these first and let's see. 
3:16 through 19. This is after the fall. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken. For you are dust and to the dust you shall return. And man has changed that. A woman can have a baby and never, never hurt one bit. Does that mean that it's a sin? Is it a sin to have an epidural? That's something that he gave us to help enjoy in our life. There's people that, I was watching those people in that field, and they were sitting in the cabs of a tractor. You can get out of a pickup, out of your house that's air-conditioned, into an air-conditioned pickup truck, into the air-conditioned cab of a tractor, and never break a sweat. And we were, this, he said that right there. He, he said, you will. Well, we've usurped his authority by doing that, but is that a sin? No, it's not. But you know there's people who say it is. That's a sin. Why? Well, it's one of the reasons that the Amish do the things that they do. They believe that it's sinful. The way we live our lives and the things we do are sinful because you will have an epidural to have a baby or you will use something that uses gasoline or electricity. You're usurping the authority of God because that's what his word said. But that's not true either. Is it? Does anybody feel like that's wrong? You see where I'm coming That's why there's so many. Yes, sir. Hey, I agree. I agree. But I'm just, you see, that's why when we look at things, we look at all the sides, guys. Everything that we get in our life and everything we have goes right back to what Brother Gene said the Sunday in our, in our men's class. When I get food, I pray. I thank God for everything. I'm supposed to give him the first fruits of whatever I have. And it was, the preacher was telling us at Sister Tab's dad's funeral, there was a, a widow woman that she had a bunch of chickens, but she didn't get any money. She didn't have any money. All she had was chickens and eggs and whatever commodities she would get. So her first fruits to that pastor of that church was two dozen eggs a week. She gave him two dozen eggs no matter what. And those two dozen eggs is what he helped feed his family with. You see, because she couldn't give money, but she gave. That was her first fruits. It's just what the pastor said earlier. It's not just money. Monetary money's easy. What about your talents? What about your skill? What about what your calling is? That's, that's important too. Because whenever we all do those things, the Word of God says what? We edify one another. The whole reason we've been given those things... I don't think that there's anything in this church that anybody has that they're doing that's sinful because they're enjoying it unless it takes you away from where you're supposed to be. That's the litmus test for it is whenever you're using your boat or whenever you're doing whatever and you get the opportunity like Daddy and Travis when they were down the by and this certain individual that's causing a lot of trouble they didn't get in a fight with the man. They never even spoke a word to him. That was bearing fruit in front of him. He can, the man's cussing you and hollering at you and saying the things that they do, and you just ease on. That you, you just bore fruit in front of them. Because to him, that can't make sense. Because what did he want you to do? He wanted you to fight with him. Because he wanted to cause a problem. But that's what you and I are supposed to do. But do we do those things? 
Honestly, that's what it gets down to. It's the what I had said the other night, and, I, and it's for myself too, guys. It's the application of this word is where we fail. It's not in the knowledge of the word. It's in the application of it. Because for the most part, we're still too alive. We may die when we wake up in the morning, but somewhere along the way, our lusts and our passions and our desires for what we want, they awaken. And that's what hurts us. And the bad part is it hurts others around us when we do that because it hurts our witness. Is there any, any questions or any? I mean, so can we agree the whole idea of this is we can enjoy anything that God gives us. That's, that's within our marriage, within our family, within our church. Anything as long as we, as we do everything as unto the Lord. I don't think that because Brother Gene has a tractor and he farmed off of a tractor, he was sinning because he wasn't out there with a plow and a mule. That's what I say. He spent he spent enough time doing that because he tells what you was eight years old, eight years old. He knows what that's about. That's why that's why I brought it up. But you know what I'm saying. So that. <laughs> Not at all. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Paul is tell, telling in, in Corinthians, you know, we have liberty to do all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm free to do all things, but the, the word here, what we're talking about is redeeming. Yeah. You know, I, I redeem that which God has given me. Not because I have the power to redeem, but we're made in his image and we're, we're yeah. made to be Christ-like. Christ redeemed us. Yeah. So the things of this world that has been corrupt to a Christian... With Christian desires and, and biblical worldviews, we've redeemed those. That's true. Yeah. We've redeemed those things, and it brings glory to God. And the problem, or what the danger, what we, the warning for us is, uh, am I bringing glory to God with this thing, or am I bringing glory to myself? Amen. Yeah. And it can be the same thing. Yeah. You know, cell phone is easy. One. Yeah. Do I bring glory to God with this, or am I bringing glory to myself? Yep. Am I boasting in myself? Yep. Am I, am I boasting up my, or boosting up my pride? Yeah. Or am I using it for God? Amen. That's a fault. But Amen. I can with, with anything. Yep. And where it says whatsoever things you do, do is unto the Lord. That covers a lot of things. Yeah. Lot of things. But one of the things I think where people fail nowadays in that so much is in their jobs. Doing a doing as as little as they can to get by. Oh, I agree. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, like you're working for God, because you literally are. You're working for the Lord. There's so much of that nowadays. I mean, you just talk to anybody. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, if you actually do your Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same way with a with a person though that's a Christian. Let's look at it in a Christian light. He's a pastor of this church. But your life should look just like his. Because you know what he is first? A Christian. He's a servant of God. 
the first you're a servant, then all the other will be added. But if you never serve him, you'll never have anything else added. That's a big deal is uh, Josh had said something the other day and I read the same thing he did. And it was long all about, you know, if your worship was the worship, if your worship, the whole church depended on your worship or on you actually being here or on you using your talent or on you doing what you're supposed to. Are you doing everything as unto the Lord? Because it would be terrible if not for those people who did have that. That's what makes this thing work the way it's supposed to. Like, I was gone for six weeks, and people filled in. People have been cleaning in my, with me not being, you know, we've all done our part. But that's what it takes. That's why we edify one another. But the only reason I had brought that up is there's a lot of people who don't think that we should be able to enjoy our life. But guys, God made this earth, and he made it for us to enjoy. The awesome part is, is most of the things that he made us to enjoy, though, was his creation. It truly was his creation. That's why I don't really kill a whole lot of things anymore. But I love to go just sit, just sit in the woods and act like I'm going to kill a squirrel. Because it's quiet. And, I mean, different people have different times where they, where they meditate, if you want to say, or they talk with the Lord or they spend time with him. But in a box stand or just sitting under a pine tree in the middle of the woods, there's nothing else for you to think about. It's just you and the Lord. You know, some people take a bath. Some people sit in a jacuzzi tub or whatever, but those things are needful for us. Even the Lord in, in Mark, he says that. He says, hey, let us go out into the wilderness and get away from everybody for a little while and take a vacation. We need to step away from this because they didn't even have time to eat, sleep, or do anything. You know? Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because mm-hmm. the days are evil. Yep. Make the most of it. So then, don't be foolish, but understand <laughs> what the will of the Lord is. Yep. The will of the Lord is to enjoy Him. Yeah. We, we glorify Him in our life and the things we have and bear fruit. So. so ultimately, that's that's the blessing of being a Christian, is living in the suffering life now but having a taste of what is it. Yep. And if you read in Revelation, he's, he's going to redeem creation, everything. Mm-hmm. And we're going to live with him in a holy city on a new earth. Yep. And so any little any little thing that is redeemed in our life now, that's just a taste of what there is to come. Yep. So I don't think we're going to have air-conditioned tractors and stuff like no. that. <laughs> no, it won't be necessary. <laughs> But thank God for that. Amen. Common grace. Yeah, common grace. Air condition is a common grace to man. Yes, it is. It it is. Brother Gene, would you dismiss us, sir? Thank you, Father. Father, we do thank you again for this time we have to come to your house, Lord. And we thank you for your word, Lord, that gives us the instructions that we need to live our lives in accordance with your plans, Lord. I just ask you to help us to do that, to follow your instructions, Lord, follow your commandments and your wishes for our life. And Lord, we just want to lift up those that are in need, Lord, as many that have sickness, as many things that go on in our lives, Lord. We just ask you to be in the midst and give the healing to each and every one that needs it, Lord. We ask you to to be with those that have lost loved ones, Lord, comfort them and give them peace in their hearts that they need. And we ask you to go with us as we leave this place, Lord, and watch over us, protect us, and help us until we meet again, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we just thank you again for our many blessings and 
for your instruction, Lord, that we can follow you in the way that you want us to do, Lord, if we just read those instructions and listen to them and do what we're supposed to do. And we thank you for our blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.